Welcome to Farcast. Now here's your host, Michael Farr. And welcome to the Farcast. This is number seven, lucky number seven. Thank you so much for joining us. It is wonderful to have so many listeners returning to us week after week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love being with you, and we love the feedback. You know, uh, 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 Boris, I was in uh, uh, Naples, Florida, and I passed someone on the boat who waved to me, and he said, Michael, I love listening to your podcast. Uh, keep it up. It's funny. I said, funny. Isn't that funny? It's not supposed to be funny, but okay. Well, Mikhail, I have told you, we are huge in Naples, Florida. Huge in Naples, Florida, and I think Des Moines... Des, Des struggling in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'll make phone call. We're working. You can make one, and that will take care of it. That's right. I've got a guy in Pittsburgh. He'll take care of everything for us. I have a couple other cities we could get some help from then. Good. <laughs> Listenership's a little low. They need a little persuasion. All right. Welcome to the look on the Farcast. We believe a number of different things here, but we believe that money is hard to make and that old-fashioned research and hard work and discipline and patience are the keys to successful investing. This market has been amazing. We have been covering some amazing things here on the Farcast, too. You know, as I look back over the past six episodes, and if you haven't listened to them, you might want to check some of them out because we've talked about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. And when we had the cryptocurrency expert on the Farcast with us, uh, uh, Bitcoin was just cracking somewhere around $4,000 per Bitcoin. He thought it was a little high. Doesn't look very high now. And we talked about a bubble and whether it's a bubble or not. And the differences between a Bitcoin or any other fiat currency. Just theoretical. Is this really a bubble? Is this really a crazy crisis? It's very tough to tell, but you can learn a lot from that one. We talked about uh, immigration. And protectionism. We've talked about wealth disparity. And, and we're going to, you know, we, we try to tackle some more difficult topics here. And we're going to talk tonight. We've got a great guy coming in tonight. Fabulous guest coming in tonight. Tom Heath from the Washington Post. Tom Heath, uh, writes the investment column in the Washington Post, has been a wonderful friend of mine from a, for a long time. And, of course, uh, Matt Levingwell is going to join us to talk about Washington. Oh, my goodness, what's been going on in Washington. Kenny Mokpokari is taking the night off. You know, he does fabulous work for a number of different charities and veterans groups, and that's what he's working on tonight, so he couldn't be with us. But uh, Kenny's notes today were fabulous. If you don't get Kenny's notes, you can send him an email or send us an email at the Farcast. You can actually, if you want to email uh, Harry... Uh, Jennings at Farmiller in Washington. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it's hjennings at farmiller.com, and uh, he'll get you in touch for uh, not only our regular market commentary from Farmiller in Washington, but we'll, we'll get you um, we'll get you Kenny's too. Fabulous stuff from Kenny today. So some of the things that Kenny uh, was talking about today was the exuberance in the market and what's going on uh, in in the market making new highs and shooting up almost over 300 points on Monday. Uh, after the Senate uh, got their bill, looked like they were getting their bill out of committee, which indeed they did. Markets loved it, and then the markets pulled back. Kenny also has been talking about the shift between growth and value sort of stocks. So the FANG stocks, the big high-tech stocks that were rocking and rolling, have pulled back a lot. And they've pulled back while a lot of the other softer side of Sears kind of names have begun to do well. The financial stocks have done really well. 
really well. A lot of the small cap stocks. Why? Because, you know, they're really going to benefit from uh, uh, small caps are typically more domestic companies and they'll benefit more uh, from a domestic tax cut. Right. So uh, small cap stocks have been going up, but there's been a big shift. The stuff that has been winning isn't winning as much. Is that here to stay? Kenny had some fabulous thoughts this morning. And it it looks like this rotation might be with us for a while. We are so fortunate every week to have Farm Miller in Washington, senior political analyst Matt Leffingwell, uh, who used to run the House Appropriations Committee uh, on Capitol Hill for a number of years. This is the insider's insider, okay? I mean, he gets it. If you want to find out uh, what's really going on in the cloakroom, stuff that he can't talk about in the cloakroom, stuff that you should never really let enter your mind. Uh, you don't want to visualize that goes on in the cloakroom uh, at the U.S. Capitol. He has seen it all, participated in much of it. Uh, Matt, welcome. Well, participation was limited, let's say. Uh, we haven't gotten any letters at the firm, no accusations. I think we're okay. I think we're okay. Matt, Huge week. We got the bill out of it. Now, you predicted that here on the forecast that the bill would come out of the Senate. Yep, that's right. So that that so you were right. So I've been 100% right so far. 100%. That's yep. pretty good. That's almost all the time. So now, so we were at a committee. What does this mean? That it, it looked like it was really rushed. I mean, I saw this bill on television where they showed it with handwritten notes all over the thing that you that that they passed that. Yep. How did they pass that? Well, they, they passed it. Uh, you know, they added a bunch of uh, sweeteners in for you know several different senators. We still had uh, Senator Corker, who was a holdout on the on the bill. Um, and now, when it goes to the floor, that's not going to be the version that those senators were uh, enticed to to vote for in the full Senate. So you're now what the what happened last night in the House is the House passed a motion to go to conference, which is it's a formal um, you know procedural motion that instructs uh, conferees appointed by the Speaker to go and meet with the Senate, their Senate counterparts and begin to iron out the big differences in the legislation. Now, for example, you have, you know, four different individual tax brackets in the House version of the legislation and seven in the Senate. Say that again. Four what? Individual tax brackets, tax brackets. in the House version yes. of the legislation, yes. whereas in the Senate version, you have seven. Yes. There is no repeal of Obamacare's individual mandate in the House version. and the Senate version, there is. So these are big differences that they're going to have to iron out before they're able to pass a final version. Right. Okay. So this has got to get passed. This has got to get ironed out. I, I saw the president on television today. He said it's a fabulous bill. It's going to happen very, very quickly. He said it's one of the best pieces of legislation. And everybody around the country, many people he's talked to, he said, uh, are very happy about this and very encouraged and think he said that it was one of the most important pieces of legislation that any of them had anticipated and that it was going to be a very, very, very good thing for America. That's Well, that's what he said. He said it was going to be a very, very good thing, uh, and he seemed very sincere when he, when he said that. But he said it was going to happen. He thought they could get this passed by year end, that they could actually get this out of conference committee and passed by year end. Does it work that way? Before, before, uh, before I answer that question directly, I'm going to say there's one distinction there. There are two bills. There's a House bill and there's a Senate bill. So to say that there's one bill that's very, very, very amazing or good is not accurate. You have to, be, you have to remember that the, there's three more steps that have to happen. They have to come to an agreement in this conference committee. Then they have to pay, whip and vote on these p different pieces of legislation on both the House floor and the Senate floor again once they have an agreement. 
there was one major development that happened in relation to uh, a potential government shutdown that could go into effect on Friday. That is, the House has has is going to try to pass what it's called a short-term continuing resolution in order to maintain funding so the government doesn't shut down between now and December 22nd. That adds legislative days to the calendar. Enough, we'll wait and see. But I just, I still am on the on uh, the pessimistic side that they're going to be able to get all this agreed to and put down into the floor of the House and Senate before they actually go on uh, Christmas break. Okay, does it make it more likely that they're going to actually pass some sort of tax reform now that this bill is that they, that they both have bills in conference committee? It, it does increase the likelihood, but I th- I, it, I would say it went from being like twenty percent to thirty percent. I don't think it's significant. That's it? Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, I mean, I just we're I not going to get any tax reform at all. I just don't think you're going to see it before the end of the year. I, I, again, okay, I, what about I, in the first quarter? I, I, no, I'm, double, I'm doubly down to this. I think the only time you're going to be able really to get <laughs> the only time the, the only window you're really going to be able to see this go through is is in a lame duck Congress when no one has anything else to lose. They're all dropping like flies up there between retirements. Opinions and- expressed on the forecast are those of our guests <laughs> and not necessarily those of oh, sorry, Far Miller and Washington. Uh, so well, I mean, because everybody else, Matt, is saying that this thing's going to get passed, right? I mean, Greg no. Valliere, my buddy Greg Valliere, who is brilliant on this kind of stuff. Now, Charlie Cook says no. Charlie, Stook, Charlie right. Cook says, hell no, we won't go. Right. Not happening, no how, no way. Uh, but Greg Valliere says yes, and he's saying now 65% chance this thing gets through fairly quickly. Well, I mean, give me his number. I'll put put some money on this with him. I just there's not. I just don't see it. I mean, the way I saw this process, these processes going when I worked up on Capitol Hill, was that they're they're painfully slow, and they are ripe with with uh, with opportunities for their self destruction. And this is a perfect example of that, especially with all these other dynamics, such as what's going on in the White House right now, or what isn't going on in the White House right now. And, and then, the, and then, really, the revelations of many different sex sex scandals going on throughout the Congress. This is a weak, weak political environment to be trying to accomplish something so great as tax reform. Congressman Conyers is not going to run again. That's correct. But he's uh, which is both his son and his great nephew are running against each other. Well, the man is only eighty eight <laughs> years old. I don't know what else he's going to do with his time. I mean, Boris. Would there be any limitations on an 88-year-old in, in, in running in the uh, uh, proletariat in uh, Moscow? Or? No, in fact, most of the people in Politburo are 88, 93 years old. Oh, so that's just the media. They're spring right. chickens. Just yes. hitting their stride, <laughs> as I would like to say. <laughs> so, Comrade Conyers, come over. Conyers could have – there's a future for you in Moscow. You could be the next Yeltsin. <laughs> You know, he has done some remarkably good work during his time, and it's, it's, it really is upsetting and very sad to see uh, a, a career go out under a cloud like this, or particularly if the cloud is true, then, it, then it's, then it's uh, very tragic for so many, so many people. Um, all right, Matt. So, you know, this brings up kind of another point. When we think about what's going on with the Republicans and the Democrats, my sense is, as I talk to my friends on Capitol Hill, and it's so important to our listeners to know that the inside skinny is, is really hard to come by. But when I talk to my friends on Capitol Hill, the Democrats don't seem happy. They don't seem like they don't feel like they just got the biggest election gift or pinata that they can attack. The Republicans don't feel really. I mean, everybody just seemed to be in kind of a funk on Capitol Hill on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, I think that's a really a really good way to put it. And I think right now, especially with the with the number of uh, sex scandals that are coming out, 
You're seeing both. Is that why? I think that's, that a, I think that's a big part of it. I think that is a big part of it right now. I think, you know, in some ways, the Trump... Sex am- usually cheers people up. <laughs> you know? It's not working that way. Come but to no, Moscow. It- You'll change your mind. <laughs> But, no, you know, frankly, I think you see both parties really grappling with this at the moment. I mean, you have – well, there's Conyers, and then there's a young con- freshman congressman from Nevada, for example, who is also being pressured to resign by uh, Nancy Pelosi at the moment. Uh, both parties are trying to figure out how to deal with this. And, and uh, the president has not made it on House, at House and Senate Republican leadership at the moment, given that he just doubled down on his endorsement of uh, Roy Moore, the Alabama, the, you know, in battle. That was a very interesting move by it, pre- uh, President Trump. Today. It was. And it led to the reestablishment of him getting uh, campaign funds from the RNC and support. Ah, so really? That, that happened today. They had cut it when the allegations. Any came idea out. how much money uh, Judge Moore will get? I, for his you know, this, it, it, they'll, he, he could get anywhere in the you know in the. I would definitely be in the millions, somewhere really? between one and three million dollars. Really? Get in, like ad support and ground support. Didn't sound like Mitch McConnell tonight was supporting that idea. No, I know he was caught flat-footed on this. I mean, when Mitch McConnell was would double down and and him and not coming. I think the last episode we were talking about. Mitch McConnell's strategies for how he's going to make sure that that Roy Moore never came to the U.S. Senate. Now, you know, yesterday he said, well, it's up to the voters of Alabama to decide. And then today he's talking about an ethics investigation the moment the man walks in the door. As soon as he walks in, he's going to face an ethics investigation. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, this is a, you can't make this stuff up. And he's you? up four points in the polls when I checked uh, earlier today. In, Judge in Moore. Alabama. Judge Moore is up three po- four points in the polls. I read also this morning in Washington that Donald Trump is pre- is polling as the most popular politician pretty much now in America. I mean, uh, his, is that Russia today? <laughs> well, he's more popular than the U.S. Congress by a good deal. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's not hard to do, but it's, uh, you know, that, that's been damaged over time. But no, I mean, I have not seen those numbers. I'm not sure who they're polling on that one. <laughs> I, I, that's, 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 uh, I'm, 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 I'm not making it up, oddly. Um, <laughs> I, I did, I did read that. I told you, too, that another one of my, uh, political wonky type guys who is very famous and on television and has his own show about politics every day, uh, says things like, tell me something I don't know regularly. Uh, he's, he's, he's kind of loud and he, he tends to be, he tends to be, (laughs) well, it does indeed. And it tends, he tends to be tough. In fact, he's been known to play hardball. He has suggested my hardball playing friend that Donald Trump's biggest problem is that he isn't going to be allowed to run for a third term. That's right. Yeah, and I, I think you know what we're seeing right now with the Mueller investigation is that th- these are this is an investigation into a, an obstruction of justice, and that it, and that subsequently means that that really does mean that this is a, this is an investigation that could likely lead to impeachment. And it seems so. Wait, now, hang on, hang on, because this has changed now. Because Mueller, I thought, was investigating Russia, and now you're talking correct. about obstruction of justice. Those yep. are two different. I mean, it is, but it's, it, but it is through the investigation into Russia that there are situations, situations that are that have been uh, obstruction into for his for the purposes of his investigation. So therefore, you see somebody like you know a Michael Flynn, for example, go down and plead guilty in right. the situation. I mean, right. this is the he pled guilty, and in, in this circumstance, that means he could be a high valued uh, uh, witness. That could lead to more indictments, and then eventually, he, the president's not that far away from the, these uh, the guys that are under question. So, what what does this mean? If if are you suggesting so, Mueller is going to could pursue the president on an obstruction of justice charge. Well, he's certainly not immune from this. So, and and the obstruction of justice would have come when. 
Uh, that that would come from interviews with the FBI from different members of the administration. Uh, so I'm not I'm not implying that the president himself has been uh, is directly re- responsible for that. But there are certainly people in his inner circle that have. Well, been. okay. So what I read one one piece of analysis that I read today said that it really once once uh, there was an an investigation um, into uh, into the Russian tampering, and uh, the president then met with the head of the FBI and said, let's go easy on him. Yep, that's correct. That was the moment that would qualify? Is that it, right it, as an obstruction it, charge? Don't be I, too hard on him? Does that obstruct justice? I'm not a lawyer. No, was no, that- no. It, it could. I mean, it certainly could. I mean, but any any dishonest statements or any sort of trying to manipulate uh, the investigators of the council could be, could, could be perceived as obstruction of justice. Okay. So, look, this is fascinating stuff, and Washington just doesn't stop. Uh, they, so we've got a tax bill that's actually moving. That's right. uh, we've got the Speaker of the House, Speaker of the House saying he's next going to talk about Social Security and Medicare, and he's actually going to really go for the real third rail of politics <laughs> and say, I'm going to talk about Social Security and Medicare and the entitlement program. Please don't write me any more nasty letters because I call them entitlements. It just means you're entitled to it. You paid the money in, and that's the label for the program. I didn't make up the term, okay? (laughs) Every time I get emails, I get people saying, I earned that money. Don't call me entitled. I I got it. I got it. I earned it. I paid into. I'm probably never going to see it, but okay. I mean, uh, it's, you know, what are we going to do? That's what they call the programs. But. You, you, you paid it in. You're actually going to get back a lot more than you paid in if you live long enough. So, um, you know, there, there, there is some uh, argument for the support. So th- we've got Congress doing all sorts of all sorts of things. They've got to get this bill through. And we've got m- not much of a year left. So right. it's a very full agenda. Yep. Uh, we've got this big investigation going on. I mean, uh, lots it, to lots for the markets to pay attention yeah, to. Yeah, and also don't let's not forget about like the potential government shutdown, which people are speculating about. December eighth, we're supposed to lose funding on December eighth, right? right? We're right. almost there. We've got it. We're over time, but we've got Jesus. Yep. There's just so much to talk yep. about. Losing funding on December eighth, so you say we're going to have a continuing resolution? Well, there'll be a, there's going to be a hopefully a short term resolution. There will be, I believe. But I mean, there's there are big ticket items like the children's health insurance program, which the Democrats want to see somehow plussed up or reauthorized as part of the continuing resolution, in addition to, um, you know, uh, remember the Dreamers issue? They they want some protection for Dreamers, and they haven't gotten anything, have they? They have not gotten a thing yet. So what do do Senator Schumer and Congressman Pelosi do? They play hardball. They could bring it up to the wire and not, you know, the the Republicans need Democrats to vote for these big appropriations bills, especially when the right flanks of the Republican Party are so volatile. And that they're so difficult to rein in. Last night, you had 33 of them walk on this motion to, you know, go to conference on the tax bill. So they're not reliable votes. So you have to bring Democrats over to vote for. Nobody's playing bills. nice on Capitol Hill. No. So they're gonna they're gonna play hardball, bring it up to the wire, and I, you know, they know that there's a bit of leverage that they have at the moment. And the president might weigh in at any moment on any of this. That's right. And at one point, he was welcoming a shutdown. I mean, he was open to the idea of a shutdown and said it could even be good. So that's that is not a helpful voice in this uh, or a helpful message in terms of averting one. I learn so much every time I talk to you, Matt Leffingwell. Thank you so much for being a regular. 
regular on the forecast and explaining all of this nonsense inside Washington. You want to understand what's going on in Washington? Please, you know, uh, do email us your questions. We're happy to try and cover them and, and get, figure out as much as we can. Some of the inside scoop, because Matt has seen it all, done most of it himself, uh, been inside that cloakroom personally. So, I mean, he's just a font of information inside Washington. So stay with us. We're, we're coming back and uh, bigger and better than ever on the next section of the Farcast. You're listening to Farcast. This portion of the Farcast is brought to you by Far Miller and Washington Investment Council. Investment Council means we work for you. Our advice is tailored to you and to your needs and to reach your investment goals. At Far Miller and Washington, we believe money is hard to make. We're going to work hard to keep it working for you. Now more with Michael Farr and the Farcast. Boy, there we go. It's a catchy tune. I, that's a new one tonight, Boris. I love that tune. What what tune? What what song is that for us? Uh, this song is old classic. It's called Svetlana in the Sky with Diamonds. <laughs> it's off of uh, the album Sergeant and Dropoff's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I love that. And Dropoff's Lonely. I have never told you this, Boris, but years ago, I was part of a, a group who went as a part of a Bush Gorbachev uh, contingent to help open the markets in the Soviet Union. And I went to the Soviet Union and I taught the people who were going to be doing this how to start trading stocks and doing all of that. And I met with Andropov when well, I was there. You're the Andropov. No, we're aware of that. We have file on you. <laughs> <laughs> that would work. We have a large file on you. He, he was a fascinating guy. Okay, welcome back to the Farcast. This is fabulous. I'm so glad that you're back with us again. Okay, terrific conversation with Matt Leffingwell in our first segment tonight figuring out what's going on Capitol Hill and how we're going to actually see any of these bills get to conference committee and whether they're going to get through conference committee and what they're going to look like when they come out of conference committee, which is probably nothing that they look like when they went into conference committee. So uh, that's just the way Washington works. Stay tuned. Come back to the forecast because I'm going to have Leffingwell here and he's going to explain it. And remember, Leffingwell says no tax reform at all. Right? It's not going to happen, says Leffingwell. We're going to hold him to it. Um, personally, I'm really hoping he's wrong about that. <laughs> some of these things benefit some of us, and I would like to see it, but who knows? <laughs> uh, just in the way it benefits me. I don't mind saying that, just as long as it benefits me. Okay, look, <clears throat> fabulous guest coming up. Tom Heath is here with us. Tom Heath, I've known for a long time, a reporter and columnist at the Washington Post. He's been there a long time. He's covered big and small businesses. And before this, he wrote about the business of sports for the Post's sports section. Almost a decade, lives, uh, lives uh, here locally. He served as a correspondent for Newsweek. And the Post, he covers the, uh, covered the Oklahoma City bombing, the Unabomber, O.J. Simpson trial. I mean, he's hit all the highlights, you know. Uh, he came from Syracuse, New York, went to Catholic schools, and a graduate of Fordham University. So also, like Jay Powell, the new upcoming uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve, I think, which we projected, projected and pr predicted here on the forecast, uh, he's Jesuit trained. Right, which means he asks questions, and, and he wants a little bit of proof, and he wants a little more information. So uh, just tremendous to have him here. Welcome, Tom Heath. Thank you, Michael. Why did you giggle when you said Syracuse? 
Uh, Syracuse. I don't, What's so funny don't, about Syracuse? Don't you Come think on, Syracuse it's a nice is town. just one of those it's, funny it, kind it's of, had, I like it. We have a days, lot of listeners nice place in to grow Syracuse. Up. It's a nice place to grow up, let me tell you. Good well, basketball. And bas- this year. Basketball? Not last year, this year. We'll be good. It's looking better. You're going to make yes. it this year I all the way, so. do you I think? I hope so. Beat Maryland. Well, okay. Lost to K. Kansas City the other day, but that's all right. Or Kansas University. Kansas. You know this isn't Kornheiser's show, right? It's just yeah. Kornheiser's so studio. <laughs> Let's still... talk about the Nationals. Korn, it's Kornheiser's. Okay. I spent a lot of money Boris, on Boris, make sure that Kornheiser, will you tell Tony that we need to. Is that a true to... story about Andropov? Yes, it's absolutely true. You met Yuri Andropov? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I met with him, actually, and he wanted me to. Uh, I was a vice president at that time at Alex Brown and & Sons, and he wanted us to issue a municipal bond offering for the city of Leningrad, uh, and uh, it was changing its name to St. Petersburg. So wow. he and I sat in his office, beautiful office, roaring fire. That's impre- in the Kremlin? Uh, Oriental carpet. No, this was in uh, Leningrad. He was like mayor of Leningrad. Oh, uh, that yeah, that's a, big, so, that's a big vehicle for it the— was, Oh, that was big. For the he, Soviet— yeah, and Subcheck also was there. So Mayor Subcheck was there. So it was a big deal. Anyway, uh, fascinating discussion trying to figure out how you would issue a, a municipal bond in the Soviet Union. I mean, just it, the concept is kind of mind Buy the bond or I'll kill you. Uh, yeah, exactly. Buy the bond. <laughs> That's how we go to Siberia. That's how we do it. Uh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry Boris. Uh, All right. Yeah, Boris, don't do it. Just make Speaking sure we of Russia, don't repeat a lot of this. We might have to cut some of this. Okay, Tom Heath. Now, look, you've been running writing for a long time, but six 30 months years ago. Here. 30 years. 30. Going on. Yeah. So you're getting better at it. Six months ago, <laughs> you really are. I read your stuff. Six months ago, you. <laughs> That's you, big of you. I know. Six months ago, well, Thank I wanted you. to have you on. I figured Thank I had you. to say something nice. Six months ago, you took over this investment column for the Washington Post. Yes. This is a bit of a change for you. So, what have you learned? Well, you know, I, I've learned, quite frankly, how many people don't know anything about finance or about investing. I mean, they just don't. Well, I mean, how, they do, you, they're how naive. do you know? They don't know what they're doing. Uh, so, okay, but tell me, starting to write an investment column, how did you learn that people didn't know anything? Well, they'd ask me questions. I'd talk to them around the newsroom. I'd call people. You know, you'd write stories. They'd ask dumb questions when they'd phone in or send me emails about dumb right. stuff. Right. I mean, people are just naive. They're not stupid people. It's just that they don't pay attention. They don't learn. They don't pay attention to what they're doing. They think you know it'll go by itself. I'll put money in some mutual fund. I'll ask you, what mutual fund did you put in, my colleague? And you'll say, I don't know. You know, I just put one in there. So, what do you know? What fees you're paying? No, you know, you pay fees. Some of them think they're FDIC covered. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, well, you know, people I just think don't pay attention. I think sometimes people are scared by money too. I mean, it kind of if yes. they ignore it, it won't yes. bite them or something. Yes, right? I mean the the. Uh, the IQ for money among a lot of journalists is pretty low. If I don't, not you know, everybody, not the Wall Street Journal. I know, don't start calling me Wall Street Journal, but you know, the, <laughs> there's a lot of people that just don't pay attention. Wall Street Journal guys, I mean, we love those guys. Thank you for calling it's me. A great and quoting publication. Me. A wonderful publication. We love the guys the way they're very smart up there. Um, but but you know, I I think that if you don't pay attention to it, maybe you you don't hold yourself quite as accountable if you screw it up. I mean. I, I think there's a What's fear of what failure. Yeah. Fear of failure at your finances. I that, think there's just not much interest in it. I think people just the numbers, math, you know, they don't like it. Stocks. I didn't know what a stock split was until 20 years ago. I mean, I used to write, you know, sports business and stuff, but I didn't know what a stock split was, what a dividend yield. Once you put money in the market, you start caring. That's what you should do. Well, you know, you I should think buy a stock. Not, you shouldn't live off it. You shouldn't like, you know, thrust all your funds and in, in, in individual stocks, but you should play a little bit because it's 
really fast education. Once your money's like on the table, you pay pool. attention. You begin yes. to understand the rule yes. of the crap stable yes. when you figure out you just lost, you know, 500 bucks, Absolutely. Right? I yeah. mean, isn't that, I mean, once you have skin in the game. Well, like, you know, whoa. one of the other things that we see, and I've seen over my 30-year career, is that when people turn 50 or they begin to think about retirement, then they start paying a lot more attention. You are correct, sir. Right? Thank you. As Ed Thank McMahon you. used to say, you are correct, sir. I like <laughs> that. He does Ed McMahon, too. This is wonderful. Ed McMahon went bankrupt and had a bad ending. But, you Wait, know, he I was, thought he had that for sweepstakes years he was, gig. What? I thought he had that sweepstakes gig. He, the, well, he did all that clearing He did that dancing show. He, show. he, did, he did crazy stuff. Yeah. If he showed up now, it'd be kind of scary looking, I think. <laughs> did you see Johnny Carson's house is for sale? It's yes, like $80 I did million. See. Dollars. I did see that. I yes. want it. It's gorgeous. What a palace. Do you know, did you see the story behind? He walked up to the guy and said, yes. is it for sale? Yes. And the guy, uh, the guy no. said no. And he wrote down a number. And show it to him, guys. And it was there was a party. I mean, he was at a yes. guy's. He was at that yeah. house yeah. at a party. Johnny Carson, one of my here. I grew up with him. I loved, loved you know, watching. Carson. I loved that monologue. I read his biography. It's you know, great book. Actually, it is. I mean, he was. He, he, he the, was the, a Karnak the Magnificent. Oh was my, my god! I love that yeah. bit. Okay, now wait, wait. Okay, look, we yeah. got it. You're the investment guy. You're here yes. to talk about. Wait. Yeah, I know. It was fire away. I bet that house was a good investment for Carson. What do you think? Well, he's not I bet he didn't collect. I bet he didn't pay eighty million. He's not around now. Okay, so maybe not so much. It no looked more. like he enjoyed it. You know what I loved about that story? Shoot, I'm, uh, shoot, I'm going to do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, it you, you know, there was one bedroom in the house, right? There's really? only one. Yes, he had one bedroom in the main house. Well, how many do you need? His. Oh, he had them in the guest house across the street, and he had two bedrooms in the tennis house. But in his house where he lived, there was one, <laughs> oh, and nobody else was going to stay with him. Talk about money. He made I, a lot of money. Oh, didn't he? Made, he had three divorces, and I think they were And he still Joanne had money. They were, they were expensive, yeah. yeah. Well, Okay, so um, you've been writing about Bitcoin, and we covered oh, that on God. the Farcast. So do, tell me, uh, uh, should I go out and buy this Bitcoin stuff? What do you think? What do, I don't <laughs> know. Is it going to go? Bitcoin stuff. Well, you tell me what it is, and I'll tell you. What are you? Of course you shouldn't. You told me that. I put it in a story. <laughs> I wouldn't go near it. I said. The, the rhetorical I, I, I question. said it's absolute <laughs> speculation. Is I what no I idea. said I in the been, story that you wrote. I've been writing about this for two weeks. I still can't figure it out. I had a guy on today that I was just telling you about. He talked about for half an hour. He actually bought Bitcoin. He's played around with. It. He's a techie. A lot of techies are getting into this. It, the, people who are techno, technologically savvy, yeah. the computer guys, they're buying bitcoins. I had to hang out. I said I, I'm getting a headache from talking about this. Sir, because I can't figure it out. Right, but I mean, if you had it a year ago, it was what nine hundred bucks. Right. Today it's eleven five. I don't know. It was eleven five yesterday. When eleven thousand five hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. So something's gone right. I mean, you could cash out and make a little money. The Winklevoss twins allegedly are billionaires. Are billionaires but because he, of this stuff? Yeah, but I mean, well, but okay. You know, so I, mean, I buy we, a Bitcoin. I wouldn't even buy it now for eleven hundred. Okay, I mean, but okay, if you look at that versus another currency, right, and you look at what a fiat currency is, and it has a government backing, and this doesn't, but basically you still have people buying and selling currency. One of the things that we always talk about uh, on CNBC over the years is when you get a new Treasury Secretary and he says, we've got a strong dollar policy. Really? What are you going to do about it? If you're not going to change interest rates from the Treasury, what are you going to do? You can't buy enough dollars to actually move the price or sell enough dollars to actually move the price because it's so vast. But here we have a currency where you can, and it's being moved and it's being driven by these purchasers largely because in a lot of ways it's anonymous. So our guest we had on a couple of weeks ago, Jameer Morrow, uh, who's quite an expert in Bitcoin, I'm going to 
You should direct your questions to him then. I'm, well, no, but I'm going to put I'm going to put you in touch with him tomorrow. Yeah, for your, good. For your, for your I want to talk to him. It, the guy he, he gets over he got over my head very quickly. You know that's kind of a short trip. But any, anyway, <laughs> I he, know. He, yes, you've done that before too. <laughs> yeah, I, you look. You interview me too. I mean, it's I, it doesn't take me no, a lot good. to get, you're get good. to you're question my stuff. Uh, but uh, if it's just more buyers and sellers and it's a limited supply of stuff. As long as they keep buying it, but it's greater fool theory. There's no there there, right? Right. 90% of the people I've interviewed about this have said it's like the tulip craze of the 16th or 17th century in Holland. I think it's the 16th century. I don't know why I have a block about this. Um, but uh, it's just demand. So much supply. Everybody's caught up in it. The other yep. guy's going to buy it. It's like yep. sell it the the dumber person theory, whatever that is. And we did see and, it, what, and, earlier yeah. this week drop $2,000? Yeah. Something like that, but now it's back up. You know, it's like anything. It's kind of you could use it as a parable for investing. You're you're, against, you're up against people who are studying this stuff all day, and guys like yourself, they just work the numbers. They're studying stocks. They're looking. Their eyes are glued to you know Fox Business, CNBC. Everything. Right. They're studying. Right. That's who you're up against as yeah. an investor. So if you want to dilly dally and go in, go in and spend a thousand bucks, like I walked into a casino in Vegas twenty years ago and said, "Oh, gee, uh, who, uh, who should I get the over and under?" And some guy was sitting there and told me what the bet, and I was glued to the TV for the next six hours watching the two uh, uh, conference playoff games. Right, it's, right. You, you you can't be naive about this stuff. There's a long way of saying you're up against really p- smarter people who have higher IQs, uh, certainly than me, and they study investing, they study Bitcoin, they study currencies all day, bonds, all this stuff. You're up against these, but you can't beat you, you can't beat okay, them. Okay, but, okay I mean, so let's, but, so, but Bitcoin, let's come back for one second, because people call me and ask me, they say, is this a bubble? I hear people talking about Bitcoin as a bubble. I don't know how you can call it a bubble and tell, you, tell me there's a floor or an intrinsic value. I mean, if you tell me that, uh, you know, Chevrolet 1969 Chevys are suddenly trading for $2 million in the antique market, I'll tell you that's a bubble because there's a certain value that we can assign, intrinsic value. If you want to tell me a barrel of oil is now trading at $400 a barrel, I'm going to tell you that supply and demand, that's a bubble. But there's no there, there, underneath. There's nothing to judge a bubble. It's, it's, it's all hot air. Right? Well, it's uh, it's it's stuff online. I mean, how can you say there's nothing there? I mean, you've I mean, got people willing to pay you yes, for it, right? There's this people second. willing to pay for an idea or something that's online in the blockchain, whatever that is. Sounds like an NFL term, but you, I mean, you got you got something, something, which seems intrinsic. I mean, gold you can at least you can touch and you can. You know, you can but feel we don't it, know why it's worth it. what it's worth. And we don't know why that's worth what it's no. worth. I mean, so how is this really different? Gold's been around for century, thousands of years. I, you know, I don't know what you do with this stuff. If you want to play in it, go ahead and play in it. But do do it's speculation it, is know, what I've said. Yes, but and nobody I knew what the internet that. was. Nobody knew what Amazon True. was. I thought Amazon was you know this dumb book company that's going to sell it online. Somebody asked me once when after the the bubble burst in 01, should I buy Amazon? I said, well, it's twelve dollars. I wouldn't I wouldn't get it. They just sell books. Now look what <laughs> the guy the guy owns me. He's my employer. He's got my newspaper. So my, my, so be careful of the advice is, you take from you know, Heath's column in I the mean, Washington Post. I like I like what you said I'm though. I'm just telling you. I'm, I don't know much about but it, and I'd be very careful. 
careful. sounds like a football term. But my point was going to be whoever thought the internet would go anywhere and Amazon would, and maybe this thing in 10 years we're all going to say, oh, yeah, the Bitcoin thing. Yeah, I got some. Yeah, yeah I got I some. I trade it. I spend it. Hey, will you take a Bitcoin for the beer? Or I, I like my, it. I, I, but I like it. I think I we've got to find a way to work it in as a football term. We've got to talk to Kornheiser. Blockchain. Hey, Johnny, Johnny, <laughs> I think the blockchain worked on that last what play. He blockchain? cut left at 43. It was a 43 left and a down leg, and I think the blockchain worked. Okay, moving on. And I know your listeners are grateful that I'm moving on. Okay. You've also written about passive versus, versus active management, right? So yes. a lot of money managers, and then there are a lot of these ETFs, and then there are a lot of these index funds. Uh, w w tell me, tell me you, you don't like active management, which is personally very offensive to me because that's what I do for a living, but I know you don't care. It's not that I don't like it. I understand it has a role to play. Uh, I don't own any ETFs. I own mostly index funds personally I, because of the cost. Uh, you know, I live by just a few things. Uh, keep your like cost, what? Tell us cost what? low. Cost low. Uh, live beneath your means. Yes. Diversify. Yes. Save like mad. Save like mad again. And, <laughs> you know, rebalance now and then. And, and you know, know what you're getting into. My I mean, partner, just don't, John. When the market drops. Don't read the financial pages. I mean, those are the few things. I so look if it's going to go down, you just try, try to ignore. It. You know, my oh, partner God, John yeah. Washington used to say, "If you want to be really rich, it's very simple. Just don't spend any money, really." And if you want to talk about pissing people off, <laughs> just tell them, you know, you want to have more money, quit spending as much. They hate that as an answer. They it really, it really makes people angry. Managed funds have a place. I own a bunch of managed funds. I do, and I, you know, I own Sequoia. Uh, I own a bunch of Vanguard funds. I own some foreign. You don't funds. own a Amazon because you sold it at twelve. I bought no. <laughs> in full in full disclosure, um, a couple of years ago or last summer was oh sixteen, not oh seventeen, oh sixteen, and I bought I bought twelve shares at a six eighty five a share. That's worked out so for you. That's worked out. Yeah, yeah. I got like a few thousand extra bucks. Okay, but you know you can't. I mean, what am I going to do with that? I look long term. I invest. I. I um, What's that called when you uh, routinely invest? What's that called? Yeah, money. Dollar cost dollar averaging. Dollar cost averaging. I, I'm a I knew big, that when I got big that. Big believer in that? dollar cost averaging, keeping your funds low, looking over 20 years and put the money in. And then when you have a big up cycle, then you really notice. I mean, it kind of reaches a critical mass. And it's paid off for me. I just, pay, I mean, I'm not going to go for little gets. So, it's fun. But what, what's the so? Three, but your, so your advice is to stay with investing for the long term, just to hang in the markets for Jack a long Bogle, term? all the way. Jack Bogle, the Jack father Bogle. of indexing funds, the Mr. Vanguard. Yes, you just stay own with the that. market. Yes. Let it go up. Yes, ignore all, ignore all the noise. You know, don't. You, I like the financial pages. I find it entertaining, and I like. I'm interested in business. I'm interested in how people make their money and create their businesses. I write about that too. But you know, you just got to ignore all the clutter, and you just invest and stick with your guns. And stick to the plan. So there is, was a study years ago by one of the big mutual fund companies that compared uh, load funds to no load funds that were basically similar side by side. And it showed, now this is not going to come as any great shock to you, it showed that the no load funds outperformed with a total return more than the people, the, more than the fund where the investor had paid the load, the three or four percent charge to get in. No, so that's, that goes to your point of keeping the cost low. But the investors, who bought the no-load fund did worse than the investors who bought the load fund. Because this is really important, Tom. You know why? Because they didn't want to sell it 
when the market started to drop because they paid 3% to get into it. The people who had the no-load fund were very quick to sell. So it also comes down to temperament, doesn't it? Absolutely. You have to be willing to stick with it and make sure that you've made your bets and you're going to leave them on the table and I'm not going to get emotional. Absolutely. You got to stay with the plan. You got to stick with it. Yes. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, there's no, it's not rocket science. Right. You, so you buy the stuff, you keep your f- funds low, and you wait it out, and hopefully when you, you, know, you live 20 or 30 years, then it starts really piling up, and it's nice to have some If you some still money. have it in the market, but if you got scared you in 2008 it. or 2009, you said, I can't take it anymore, and I've, and I've gone to cash, and now look what at me, I'm sitting here it? in cash. What are you going to do with it when you go to cash? That's, somebody asked me the other day, Tom, should I sell my stocks? I, think, I saw your piece on uh, managing the down cycle and uh, the up cycle, and what should I do? I said, okay, so if you sell, if you go to cash, what are you going to do with the money? I'm going to wait until the market goes down, and then I'm going to buy it. That is down markets, too. You're going to have cash. You're going to stick it in the mattress. You're going to lose out to inflation. You're going to buy bonds. Do you really know enough about buying bonds? What bonds are you going to buy? But when it goes down, then I'll buy it. That's what they tell me, right? No, I'm going to wait till it goes down, and then I'll buy it. Yeah, you're going to know when. Who's smart enough to know when it goes, when to get back in? And let me tell you. If he was, if any of us were, we wouldn't be here. We'd be on, on beach earning 20%. Or we'd be living in Omaha, Nebraska, apparently. Yeah. I mean, there that's where you go when you're a billionaire Michael Jordan's investor. of investing, but the you Oracle know. is... The Oracle is, is the Oracle is, in is Omaha. Michael Jordan investing, to use a sports term, because I'm in sports surrounding. You, you, you are in sports surrounding. But, yeah. you know, uh, the idea that you're going to be able to time it, that you're going to get it right, because let me tell you what happens. When that thing starts going down and you say, well, I didn't buy it, it goes down 5% and you go, wow, I'm glad I didn't buy it. And it goes down 10%. You go back to Heath and you go, hey, Heath, I was pretty smart not buying it and I really liked your column. And then it goes down 20%. You're so thrilled with yourself. If, you know, you're never going to buy it, it's going to rally back up. You're going to be sitting on cash and you're saying, well, I'm waiting for the next pullback. Guess what? It ain't happening. We're already 20% higher, and you're out sitting in cash. Yeah, but you know what you do? It's, uh, what I did in 08, and this isn't one, this isn't yin, yeah, see, I knew what to do. So in, in 08, God forbid. Uh, 07 or something, there was a good year, and we had a tax bill, and I had to sell some index funds. So the market crashed and uh, started going down. I started immediately dollar-cost averaging. I, I took the money that I was making at work, and new money, quote-unquote new money, and I started buying every week, every month, I'd buy some of the index fund, the index 500 that I had to sell to pay my taxes. Are you with me? I'm so I followed it down because I didn't know how far it would go. I was ready right, to go right, down 40 50%, right. and that's what markets do. So you, And okay. I bought in at 20 went down to 30 went down to 40 and you know what? Turned around after, I think, 46%, and I don't know what the date was, but then it started coming back up. I bought... March those shares 9th, I sold. I bought those shares I sold in the index 500 for a fraction of what I sold them to pay my tax bill. Well, but, okay. Um, yeah, I bought it. But I mean, you had that's the money just to a do personal it, which example. Is that, that it was just so if you know, you I gutted be- it out and I just said, I'm going to buy this thing as it goes down because you either believe in the system or you don't. Let me finish. You either believe in capitalism or you don't. They, like Peter Lynch said, you're either, you're either in this or you're not. And if you're not, no question. Figure something else out. Buy Bitcoin or do something because. Uh, you know, you hate if you don't believe the, in earnings and, and companies and dividends, then you ought to be in something else. You if corporate America right. grows over time and you own shares in corporate America yep. over time, you're going to make yes. money, right? Yes. I mean, that's yes. It. earnings. It's all about that. If you're optimistic about the future, then you own stocks. Yes. If you're not, if you're pessimistic about the future, then you don't. I yeah. think it's pretty I simple. Think, yes. Yes, it's that basic. It's not rocket science. You just got to be disciplined. I couldn't be doing it if it were rocket science. Yes, but I'm not against 
I'm not against actively managed funds. As I said, I own a bunch, and they've done well for me. And, and you're uh, not a client so of mine, which is I'm a client. I'm not a client. You, I'm not a a client. Shame, but I mean, these guys okay. are entitled. You know, I don't own funds that make five that charge me five percent a year. I mean, I you wish know, I ran one around one percent, which is I still wish too I ran much. One of those. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, Farmiller in Washington, we're, we we average less than a percent. I it's, give you so much publicity in the Washington Post. Are you I give you such good stuff. I dial a quote. Me? You wouldn't, I mean, what, what would you have to write about if give you didn't have now. me Let to me call? Give me one now. Let me write it down for my next story. Yes, buy, right now. Buy, try and buy the stocks that go up. You say uh, things that are very accessible and understandable to thank you. The, thank my you. readership. Uh, I hope you're going to come back and be on the Farcast with us again. This is really uh, fun. Am I, am I get, did I get invited back? So Just right then I and there. I didn't blow the audition. <laughs> not yet. Not not yet. We still got a Ask couple of minutes. Question. Come on, I'm, I'm hot. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want to. It's like you don't you don't blow the lead. You know, you don't want to get picked you off said on to third base. I, I want to use my hands. And there you go. You did a good job. All right. Of that. Hey, listen. To all of our audience, we thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you, wonderful Tom Heath, for joining us. You listen to the Farcast and you learn. You're learning about Washington. You're learning about politics. You're learning about what's going on in the world. We can't, it's really been hard to keep up lately, but join us here. We're going to help you sort it out. We're going to be with you through the good times and the bad times. And we hope that you are learning and send us some emails. Uh, We really appreciate you listening. Please remember that if you've heard anything on the Farcast that sounds like an investment recommendation, if it sounds like uh, our advising you to buy or sell or do anything with your investment portfolio, you haven't heard it. We're not doing it. It's not happening. You're not, we don't give investment advice or any kind of financial advice on the Farcast. If you want some financial advice, call your investment person, your pro, your CPA, somebody. You want some help from Farm Miller in Washington? Farm Miller in Washington would be happy to help you. Give us a call. Uh, what are we? 202-530-5600. I can do that. It's my show. How about that? <laughs> Boy, I feel so cheesy and cheap to say 202-530-5600. Boris, could we get away with that? In of Moscow? course we can. Call us. We are ready to believe you. <laughs> Your, your name is Peggy. Is that That's right. right. I'm also Peggy. <laughs> also Peggy, if he can help you on the call. Uh, this is great. We're going to be back next week with the great Kenny Polcari. We will go to that third rail in politics again next week, and we're going to talk about an investment that most people don't even know about yet. So in Washington, D.C., I can't thank you enough for joining us one more time. In Washington, I'm Michael Farr. <laughs>